Wednesday. It's actually Wednesday. It's actually Wednesday. We're actually recording on a Wednesday. Um, We're a little late this time. We're sorry, guys. a little late. Yeah, really sorry about that. Life gets in the way. Life got in the way. We had to vote, so that was like important. I, I stood in line for two hours right. yesterday. I did not stand in any line because I went when no one else was there. If you're American and you're listening, then you know that yesterday was election day. Right. Happy election at day after election day. Day after election I guess. day. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> what happens. Um, yeah, we, we don't talk too much politics on this podcast. So we we'll... try not to. It's just such a mess. Yeah. It's it, just a whole it is. dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's not going well. I just feel like no matter who's in the White House, politics is always like a touchy subject. <sighs> yeah, but it's... It's not as touchy as it is right now, though. It's different, yeah. Things are different. Anyway, we we don't need to get into too much of that. But (laughs) and suffice it to say, America did not uh, explode. So I think we're gonna be. I think we're gonna be okay. Probably. Yay! And maybe we'll get maybe we'll get Trump's tax returns. So we could explode at any moment. Yeah, anything could happen. I guess there's so many uh, nuclear bombs in the ocean. In the ocean? Aren't there? In submarines, I guess. Oh. What What are you talking about? Aren't there, like, bombs in the... Aren't there, like, <laughs> bombs that we lost that are, like, in the ocean or something? I mean, there are a lot of unexploded ordnance all over the world, but I don't think there's, like, a random nuclear bomb sitting somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not an arms expert. My name's Mario, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's Mario. I'm Chloe. Welcome to Mystery Murdery Thingy. You're supposed to say it with me. We'll say it again. Mystery, Mystery Murdery, Murdery thingy. thingy. God damn it. I intentionally said it after you. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a podcast about mysteries and murderies and thingies. So, welcome. <laughs> I'm doing. Okay, wait. Are you doing a mystery, murder, or a thingy? I forgot. Mine's kind of varied, but it's mo- it's like mostly thingy, but, you know, it's like a little bit different. Because I'm doing sports mysteries. Oh, God. Sports! Sports! Yep. It's I'm actually kind of excited. I Yeah, I've been thinking about doing it for a while, so... I don't know, I like don't really know what that means. So <laughs> we'll, we'll get we'll I'll get into all the different stuff. Um, I'm but I'm doing a do straight like, up mystery, like yeah. the biggest mystery right. known to mankind. One of the existential mysteries. Yes. So, Should do, do I you go, go first? Yeah, I'll go first. You, you go first. So I'm talking about. Okay, so I'm just gonna like do like a little warning. Um, this topic really seriously makes some people uncomfortable and really freaks them out. Um, maybe we'll go on for about 20, 25 minutes. So if you want to like skip this first half, I guess you can. <laughs> no. I mean, people, I don't know. I'm talking about death. Yes. I mean, it definitely makes people uncomfortable. It makes people very uncomfortable. I actually read a whole book about that one time about how it, the, the fear of death and like the, our inability to like really deal with it is the root of like a lot of 
things in psychology and sociology and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why we procrastinate. Yeah. Yeah, because, well, because we're like, well, no, 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 like, I'm serious. Like, I uh, listened to a TED talk about procrastination. Okay. And he, like, talked about how, like, we're just, like, putting off until death. And then we'll never do it. We'll be dead. Yeah. <laughs> Why do today what you can do after you're dead? You know, that, old, that old saying, you know. So I guess the big question is, Mario, mm-hmm. what happens after death? And I just want to start off by saying that no one knows. And I don't what care is death? who you are. You could be some, like, I don't know, some well-studied, well-read Nobel Prize winning scientist, you don't know what happens, okay? Maybe you know what happens in the brain or something, but no one knows what happens after death. No one knows, like, what George Washington is doing right now. <laughs> it, it, it would, it's the question of whether there's a persistence of consciousness, right? Right. So it gets to the sort of ancillary question of, like, what is consciousness, right? Right. And when does it cease? Like, what what is death? Not only what happens after death, but what what constitutes death itself. Right. You know, which is something that people have thought about for forever, right? But I think has sort of become even more problematized in our modern context because we've been able to bring people back from the dead, so to speak, right? Like, people whose heart has stopped beating, who people who have not had brain function and then mm-hmm. they're resuscitated mm-hmm. um they're clinically dead mm-hmm. and then brought back to life for a time or you know brought, brought back to life after uh, after a certain amount yes. of time so so what, i didn't what does it really write, mean to die you know? i didn't write much down um like i like we said life has gotten in a way there's been a lot going on um but um i kind of wanted to make this more discussion based between you and i we could talk about some theories. I think we should start with answering the question of, Mario, what do you think happens after death? Tell me your thoughts. Well, uh, I mean, I'm very, very much that it's sort of unknowable, right? I mean, we have uh, obviously accounts from people who have been clinically dead and then come back to life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but those experiences that they had are obviously bounded by what happens within their brains, right? Exactly. And we've been able to explain, you know, this common experience of seeing a bright white light and things of that nature as a consequence of the release of certain endorphins and hormones as the body's functions cease, um, which I guess is is a, a way of the body of, like, dealing with the the trauma of death, Right. But, um, I mean, sort of inherent in the nature of death is that it's the the end of consciousness, right? I mean, if, if we could say anything about death, you know, for sure, it's that it's when you cease to be conscious within this realm of existence, right? So, in that way, I think it, it, it's inherent within the question that there can be no answer. It, it's just a completely unknowable thing, Um yeah, I don't think we ever ever really could know what happens after death, so to speak. Um, okay. But to me, obviously, from my scientific, you know, sort of skeptical perspective, it's the 
the cessation of the functions of life, right? So we 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 know what happens. So <laughs> what happens is decay. And so that's your like definition. So what do you think? What is your theory of like what happens to your consciousness after death? Well, that again, it gets to the. And don't say like I don't know. What well, do you think? Well, I, well, I was this, I wasn't going to say that, but I was going to say <laughs> that it gets to the question of what what is consciousness, right? Is this emergent property of the functioning of the brain, right? Um, is it something that is can be transferred to something else? I mean, what what I find interesting is questions like, could you download your consciousness onto a computer? <gasps> Whoa! Right. Because there's there's this whole idea of the universal computer, right? That um, is the brain a universal computer or not? Would we be able to have the same properties in terms of consciousness and memory of the brain, right? If it were constructed out of something else, if we're exactly the same, but it were just made out of other things, out of virtual circuits or virtual neurons, as opposed to you know, the the gray matter, the fat, and uh, so forth that, that we find within the, 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 the biological brain, right? Would, would a non-biological brain still be a brain? And if we were able to do that, right, which I think is, is not out of the realm of possibility. Like, I, I do think that that idea of, of like, of uh, recreating the brain on a computer, I think that is theoretically possible, I, th- I, I think. If we were to do that and you were to transfer your, you know, sort of like a black, the Black Mirror episode, right? Transfer your consciousness and memories and everything onto a computer. Via, like, DNA. And then your body right. died. Would you die? I don't think so. I don't think in, so either. In that way, the, the idea of the persistence of consciousness, I think, has uh, an, an internal logic to it. So... I'm going to answer my own question because you didn't answer mine. That's my answer. Um, I think that we all go to heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know that I know I'm like laughing and shit, but I don't want to like make fun of anybody else's belief. And that's the whole point of saying that I that we don't know. Right. Is that that idea is just as valid as any other idea because it's an unknowable concept. So, yes, I, I totally agree. My favorite interpretation of death came from a book called Elsewhere. So basically what happened was this girl was uh, hit. She was riding her bike and she got hit by a car and she died. So she wakes up on, I believe, some type of boat. And uh, so she meets all these people who are also dead. And she's like whatever age she is. And once she gets taken to, quote, Elsewhere, it's just like Earth. You live your life, but you age backwards until you're a baby, and then you're, like, reborn. Okay. Isn't that interesting? I do appreciate, like, this concept of, like, of the, the cyclical nature of it, right? Yes. Um, I think in, in some ways that makes more intuitive sense to me that life or being or, or consciousness would have some sort of cyclical nature to it yes well one of our early episodes we talked about um reincarnation and children who had the past lives right 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 right. freaky kids in a frightening film yeah when you did uh the exorcist right 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 right. um 
Wow, you're really good at remembering our episode names. <laughs> yeah, I, I look at them a lot. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, I think this is an idea we see in, in nature a lot, right? That, like, things change, but they don't go away. You know, the uh, just the, the nature of reality itself seems to be, like, things persist and they shift. So the idea that there could be some kind of persistence of consciousness and it is just some kind of like energy that we don't understand that shifts into some other plane of existence, something of that nature. Or like, I don't think that that is entirely out of the realm of possibility, you know? So I also think that brings us to the law of conservation of matter, um, which basically means that you can't, Will that matter, like, remains constant? Well, here's, okay. Nothing is ever destroyed or created. It's only exactly. changed. It's only yeah. dispersed and it's only changed. Right. Here's what Wikipedia says. It says, The law of conservation of mass or principle of mass cons- conservation states that for any system closed to all transfers of matter and energy, the mass of the system must remain constant over time as system's mass cannot change, so quantity cannot be added nor removed. Hence, the quantity of mass is conserved over time. So... I would like to say that that can apply to human beings. And actually, you know, what this reminded me of actually is a a sort of, um, I don't remember when it happened, maybe in the 18th century, uh, that sort of early scientific experiment where they were trying to, like, weigh the soul. So they, like, had somebody who was, like, about to die. Yeah. And they were, like, weighing them, and then they, they, like, took measurements before and afterwards. Of of course, it it was all very much limited by the lack of sensitivity of the measurements, the instruments that they used at the time. So it it doesn't really show anything. Like, the the effect wasn't actually there. But I think it's, it's interesting to look at those sorts of things from a scientific perspective as well, right? Like you were saying before, we can't just, like, dismiss this whole notion of an afterlife or a soul completely out of hand. You know, it, it, it has to be dealt with like any other, you know, uh, hypothesis as, as to what's going on here, right? Right. Um, but a lot of these things are also kind of disprovable. Um, but I think also what, what I, I took, you know, from when you were reading about the conservation of mass is that it, it is, it is uh, positing a closed system, right? Which technically we don't really know whether this is or not right because Mm -hmm. well maybe there is a sort of like parallel universe Mm -hmm. into which matter could go so exactly maybe this isn't or you know transfer and maybe that's that's... you know someone's idea of heaven another interpretation of death that i like is from the lovely bones Uh now the lovely bones is a book and also a movie it's one of those very rare instances where the no, I don't think it's Nicholas Sparks, is oh, it? I thought it was. The Lovely Bones Sorry, is not the Lovely Bones is not a love story, Mario. At oh, all. okay. Oh, I don't know. The Lovely Bones is a very tragic story about a girl who was kidnapped, who was raped, right, right, and right. who was killed. But what were you saying about it earlier? Oh, how it's one of those rare instance, instances where the movie is way better than the book, in my oh, opinion. Okay. And in the movie. She goes to heaven and she, like, creates her own heaven and, like, that's where she lives. Right. And it's, like, actually wonderful. Like, it's pretty, it's beautiful, actually. This, like, uh, this, like, little world that 
that she ends up uh, creating. So I also really like that idea. And if we're going to talk about science, I want to talk about, um, I did a little bit of research, talks about um, near-death experiences mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, um, so after doing a study of, found in a study of, of rats, a surge of electricity enters the brain before death, which possibly causes near-death experiences. And it's also, um, quote, the light at the end of the tunnel may just be a result of oxygen deprivation. Um, and what else do I have written here? Let's see. Sorry. The cerebral cortex is active for 2 to 20 seconds after our heart stops. And that's also another, like, you talked about, like, what defines death. And Mm -hmm. scientifically, death is when you go into cardiac arrest and your heart stops. That's it. Um, so, but studies show that CPR also can help retain brain function for longer. So even if CPR is performed and you die, there could still be something going on in there, but you know, nobody really knows what it is except for, I guess, the accounts of what people say happened to them, um, and what they experienced as they were being resuscitated or this, that, and the other thing. And that's always the, the thing you come up against, right? Is exactly. That any description of death firsthand necessarily has to come from the person who's dead or dying, right? So not a terribly reliable or, or easily, you know, um, asked uh, source of information. And it could also be something that our brain is just manifesting well, which again gets back to the sort of weird reality, right, that we talked about in the What is Reality episode, that everything is that. Right, that, that right. All of our experiences throughout our entire lives are a construct created by the systems within our cerebral cortex, right? We never directly experience the world ever. So, um,. Why should we expect, you know, at the end of our lives for for it to be any more, you know, accurate necessarily? So with death, is it something that we conjure up ourselves? Do you think? Like, so when, so when, so when you die and you, mm, I don't know. You mean like the, the, the near death experiences that people have? I, I guess. Yeah, no, I think that there are definitely like scientific uh, explanations for all of all of that kind of thing um but i think eventually we'll be able to read what's like being created in terms of your persistent consciousness mm-hmm. and then i think maybe we'll get a little bit more information because you could be like recording someone's like conscious you know perceptions all the way through the the moment of death and then you you could really see, you know, what is going on. Um, but yeah, I think at this point we just you know have to be a little bit humble and say, you know, we it's unsatisfying, right? But we just like really can't can't know what happens after that after that point, or even exactly when it happens. I mean, I was also going to talk too about like this um, new technique they have for like massive 
gunshot victims and things of that nature. Yes. Where they pump, um, so they, they actually replace the blood in your body with chilled saline solution, which brings the temperature of the body down, like, dramatically, really quick, or uh, over, uh, like, a certain period of time quickly, but, you know, it's, it's like, measured out. Um, and people have been able to be revived, you know, much more successfully or in instances where they, like, certainly would have died before, right? So this this kind of, like, gets to this blurring of the line of where is death, and we're always kind of, like, pushing it further and further out. I mean, even the idea of doing CPR is kind of freaky if, if you think about it, you know. So let's move on. Let's talk about reincarnation. Um, I certainly believe in reincarnation. I believe that the consciousness consciousness doesn't go away. I don't think that when you die, it just ends. And that also brings us back to the ideal of nihilism. I think this is part of the belief of ni- like a nihilistic belief and that once you die, it's just zero zip zilch nada. Like that's it lights out. But yeah, I don't, don't, I don't, I don't think that. I think that's also not comforting at all. Number one, number two, um, I, as you know, I, and I've argued this before, I 100% believe in ghosts. I don't think there's any way that ghosts, spirits, whatever, aren't real. I think it's possible to somehow, maybe your consciousness or or something or some part of you, some piece of you can get trapped or or, or stuck for for some reason. Now, I don't know if that has to do with you have some kind of unfinished business or what, what, you know, whatever. But I do believe in ghosts. And I think that also has a lot to do with the idea of answering of like, or also like answering the question of what happens after death. Can you, what, do you turn into some kind of spirit? Do you wander the earth for all eternity? I don't really think so, but I think that it's possible that some part of you can stay and some part of you can manifest some type of energy to, to move things or make living people feel things. Or for example, here's one of the reasons why I don't, I believe in ghosts is because when I was 15, my father died. And after he died every, I don't know, it's not really regular, but maybe once or twice a year, we get like phone calls from him. Right. Like that Twilight Zone episode. Now this is going to sound really weird, but have you ever gotten a phone call from yourself? Like you, like your, your phone starts ringing, you look at it, it says Mario Silva, 309, blah, 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 blah. Like it says your phone number on there. I never have, no. That's never happened to you? It happens to my home phone all the time. It's happened about six or seven times since he died. He died in 2013. So it happens, you know, once a year or so. It's very weird. There's no explanation for it. And I think that's one of those things where it's like, maybe his energy is still around, um, and maybe a part of you, some electrical current or some, I don't know, some, some piece of you stays. Well, this is the thing, like, and again, you know, if, if we're trying to think about these kinds of things in a, a, a systematic scientific way. But we're not. Well, but, but, but let's try to, right, for just, just a little bit. I think, you know, there has to be some other kind of energy, right? Because, like... What we know is, like, electricity can't really do it, right? Because electricity can't really, like, persist in an open environment. So we know that there's, you know, electric 
potentialities within the brain that's like a, re a really important aspect of what's going on there right um but there has to be something else exactly there's something else there's something well there doesn't have to be but in order for there to be persistence of consciousness there has to be something else so if ghosts are real if there is an afterlife if reincarnation is true then what i think we need to look for is is the something else and you might think oh that sounds kind of like oh uh, you know it's some kind of like energy or like Mleh. <laughs> right um but you know we've seen throughout the history of science that there are you know kinds of radiation and, and energy that we didn't know of beforehand yes. that we then found out about i mean um magnetism and, and electricity themselves were like this right when um you know tesla and others were doing experiments um uh to tease out the you know nature of electricity they found that you know electricity and uh, magnetism are, are like linked in this weird way right and we we didn't know that before like it's not an intuitive concept that you would have just like been able to come up with so again let's be a little bit humble and say maybe in some kind of future experimentation we'll find other kinds of particles other kinds of, of radiative energies that the emergent property of consciousness within the brain creates that create particles that can persist outside the body somehow and therefore maybe esp is real maybe uh oh i think you know, esp is definitely real because again if ghosts are real then esp is probably which real. they are then then the afterlife's probably real then reincarnation's probably real yes. like all these things i think are very they're connected somehow connected. yes so let's talk about religion and death so I did a little bit of, uh, or I didn't do as much research as I should have. I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> um, let's talk about the Catholic point of view. So the idea is we're that... we're both former Catholics. Because we're both former Catholics. <laughs> so it's like what we know. <laughs> the idea is that God made us to, God, whatever he is, whoever, made us to enjoy eternal life with him. So our hearts are are incomplete or something. They're they our souls. They're they're restless until they rest with with him. That's the idea. So we experience suffering and death because of the sins of Adam and Eve. So originally when we were when the earth was created, when you know those fateful seven days or whatever we everybody was supposed to be eternal everybody was supposed to be um living with god forever in total bliss and happiness but eve was like "Ooh, a snake and ate a fucking apple and fucked up fucked up everything and so now we experience suffering and death and we have mortal souls um and in the end is judgment day. So our our immortal soul um, faces God's judgment. So because of this, um, or the Catholics also believe that we can approach death with peace and with trust because of what's waiting on, quote, the other side. Um, so Christ already conquered death by dying on the cross. So death isn't something that 
we should necessarily be afraid of, especially if you're Christian or Catholic. If you accept Jesus into your heart, um, then you enter the kingdom of heaven and you have this eternal life and eternal happiness. However, if you reject God, then you go to hell. But just because you reject God doesn't mean that this is also kind of confusing because everybody, I mean, we all know that what the Bible is full of contradictions and this, then the other thing. Um, but there's also, also, sorry, go on. There's also the, um, the idea that, uh, what? I don't know what I'm trying to say. Sorry. I'm what? I'm like really stressed. Like stresses me out. Um, oh, just like talking about death. Yeah, I know you're you're one of the people who gets made very uncomfortable. By, by well, this I also just like don't know how to go about discussing it, and I don't. It's a really big topic, and I also feel like everything I say is like wrong, and I'm going to be shut down, even though it doesn't really make sense to be wrong in something that we don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, like that's, that's kind of the nice thing about a mystery like this is, is it's, it's all very speculative. And these ideas from, you know, the, the sort of um, Abrahamic um, tradition, right? D- Judaism, uh, Islam, Christianity. Um, and of course, also, you know, heavily influenced by the Greek uh, tradition as well. And, other other traditions, obviously. I mean, the the Bible is a uh, a sort of panoply of of different traditions um, and influences, but um, this whole concept, I guess, of one the body as being somehow imperfect, um, as being something that is sort of a shell, right? The body is not the real thing. The real thing is what's transcendent of the body, which is I, what persists after death. I also believe that. And it's, it's a, 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 and I think this is part of why. And maybe because and I grew about, up Catholic and that's like been in my head since I was a little kid, but I also feel like it makes sense. It has a, a an internal law. And this is what, what I was trying to say that it, it's a, a very comforting thought, right? That it, it's something that allows us, to be able to move on not having to think too much about death, right? Right. Because, again, if we, we cycle back to the original point that the inability to deal with the concept of death is at the root of so much of, you know... Psychology. psychology, right? So we have these coping mechanisms, right? Um, Such as religion, right? Do you think religion is a coping mechanism? Yeah, certainly. Um, but it's, it's only one... It's not that religion itself is a coping mechanism. It's that the inherent need to understand is a coping mechanism. And religion is one um, attempt to gain that understanding, right? Because when, you know, well, as far as we know, right, cats, dogs, uh, horses, you know, other animals, other non-human animals, for the most part, don't seem to have these kind of existential quandaries, Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe a crow, maybe a dolphin, maybe an elephant. You know, some of the higher, you know, level uh, of thinking animals, in the sense that that they have more planning and and social um, complexity and things of that nature. 
But we do, right? Something about us at some point turned into, you know, we, we started to have this sort of neurotic thinking. Whether that happened when we were Homo erectus a million years ago or, you know, more recently, um, we don't really know. But at some point, human beings felt the need to understand fundamentally what was going on in the world. What is reality? What is our place in the world? What happens when someone dies? You know, these big questions had to be answered. And so, you know, um, we came up with answers, right? If we didn't have ones that were very satisfying or seemed very correct, well, at least they were answers. And right, that's right. how we've persisted throughout this our entire history up until today. I'd like to think that... And that's true of science and, and religion and speculation and anything else, you know. I'd like to think that whatever you believe happens to you happens. Right, that would be... And, and that, that's, I think, a very popular idea. Of like, what, what dreams may come... Yeah. Kind so if you idea. think it's lights out, then for you specifically, it's lights out. Right. But right. I don't know. I really, I really do believe in an afterlife. I strongly believe in an afterlife. I think that our soul is immortal. And I think that, you know, the body is a shell and it rots and it decomposes here on earth. But our consciousness, our energy, our whatever that essence is is I think it exists and I think it's very real and it goes on to live doing who knows what I don't I don't fucking know maybe we turn into space dust or a star or some shit maybe we turn into a frog who knows but I do think that consciousness lives on or or whatever and if it's not consciousness it's like we were talking about that thing that's missing that 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 energy that those particles that that live beyond us that we, I guess, don't really know about yet or haven't discovered or there's, there's, I, I don't know. There's something missing. There's something there True. that I think exists and keeps going because there's too many things. There's too many factors and there's too many things that I personally have experienced in my life and that I know other people have experienced in their life that, of evidence of like loved ones who have passed, like contacting them or, but then again, that begs the question, is that a manifestation of our hopes and our, our wants? Like people saying that they, Oh, I saw like my, my, my past grandmother in a dream last night. And you know, that's a whole other conversation. Like what are dreams? You know, do we dream for eternity? Do we, do we have, do we project some kind of image do we have some kind of otherworldly reality that we move on to? And is that, is that like, quote, heaven? Is it another it, universe? I think it also gets back to some of the questions that we talked about in the what is reality episode, right? Is reality the sort of idealism idea, right? It, um, is reality created by the perception of it, right? And therefore can a an imaginary reality also become real because it's it's perceived within our brains so then you know is your talking to your grandma in your dream real or not you know it, right um just because you manifested it yourself doesn't mean it can't be real right 
R- right. Well, that's the question. Right? <laughs> yeah. is, is, is something yeah. imaginary real or is it not? I mean, for further discussion, watch the Imagination Land episodes of South Park because they do a good job of uh, oh, God. teasing out, you know, this uh, this question. <laughs> it's a good uh, f- philosophy uh, lesson there from from uh, Trey and Matt. <laughs> Don't forget to bring a towel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean it's it's uh it's something that you know we'll we'll never I don't know, never really know, but I think there there is more to to be found out. You know, just like the question of parallel universes or string theory. At this point it seems unknowable. It seems like it's totally dis- undisprovable. Do you think one day but, we'll just find know, out? I mean I, I don't, don't think so. I don't think for sure, but I think we'll we'll definitely get to a better understanding. Of death? I think so. Yeah, as as we find out more about how the brain works, about how, you know, even our our bodies, about how cells work, you know. Because what, what is death except for the, the cessation of motion within, you know, key cells within the body, right? So it, at its essence, right. it's a question right. of cellular function, right? Cellular respiration for the most part, right? Because usually we're talking about the oxygen deprivation in one way or another. So, you know, when cells are creating energy, they need oxygen. If oxygen is lacking, then they have no energy, so they can't move. And if our cells don't move, then we die. I think that's a more of a physical aspect, and that's a bodily thing. And I think our cells and our, you know all of that is separate then is separate from that missing energy essence <laughs> soul consciousness whatever but if but even if there is that it would have to be created by cells right i guess or they were just mashed together somehow i mean cells within our brain create electrical potentials so you know i mean that's energy that's created by our cells maybe there's a different kind of energy that's created i don't know maybe there's two <laughs> perhaps <laughs> have we have we discussed enough yeah <laughs> okay so that was death now that we've gotten to a perfect understanding of death <laughs> there's just it's just a lot it's just a lot it it's a, a lot. big topic it's it's a big that one. i kind of was like but you know that's kind of how things something go something i wanted to talk about for a while with our podcast is we we don't ever claim to like fully really like get to the bottom of anything i mean that's kind of the point right i say it all the time embrace the mystery you know so um yeah embrace the mystery of death but it's i think it's a really um interesting concept that people don't talk about enough i think if people did talk about it more maybe we 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 could deal with it a little bit better maybe we would know a little bit more about it but anyway um did you want to say did you sources or Oh, um, I, oh my God. Oh, I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. Okay. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I looked at where. Some Wikipedia pages, I assume. A little bit. I looked at, um, the art of dying well.org, uh, a big think.com article by Philip Perry and a live science article by Tia Ghost. Cool. Okay. So as I. Mentioned at the outset, I'm gonna do sports mysteries. Da, na, 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 na. Sports. And sports and all that. 
Um, so I'm going to kind of mix things up a little bit. I'm going to cover like just kind of a range of sports mysteries. There's going to be a little bit of murder mystery. It's going to be some what ifs, some what have yous, um, just, you know, some, some, some good shit that I, that I pulled out here. Um, and I'm just going to cover like a pretty good number, but pretty briefly. And this is going to be like at least a two partner. So the first one I'm going to do is the killing of Big Edward James Delante. So uh, Edward James Delante was a Hall of Fame baseball player at the end of the 19th, beginning of the 20th centuries, right? Uh, he was a big slugger. He hit for over 300, hey. uh, over a 300 average for 12 consecutive years. Oh, my God. So he was, like, really good. I had never heard of him before. He, he is a Hall of Famer. And he was also known as a big partier. Um, <laughs> drinking, drugs, sex workers, just anything. He was He was just, like, a big party guy. Um, and his body actually washed up on the <gasps> Canadian side of Niagara Falls on July 9th, 1903, missing a leg and all of his valuables. Oh, my God. The last time that Delante was seen, that Big Bill was, or Big Ed was seen, rather, was uh, in July, on July 2nd in Detroit. He was staying there at a hotel, and then he was riding a train from Detroit to New York. And he left all of his personal belongings in Detroit, except for his baseball cap, black Washington baseball cap, which will come up later. Um, and he was seen riding the train from Detroit to New York, getting very, very drunk. Uh, apparently, he had multiple shots of whiskey, was making a whole lot of trouble, getting in fights and stuff. And they actually kicked him off at uh, Bridgeburg um, on the Canadian side. So a night guard on the bridge between Bridgeburg and Buffalo saw a man, probably Delante, um, walking across the bridge. And at first, the night guard said that he confronted the man. They had kind of a physical altercation. And then the man walked away. And then the uh, night watchman heard a splash. Right now, after the body was found of Edward James Delante, the guard kind of changed his story. He said, oh, no, we didn't have a fight. He, I just saw this guy, and then I heard a splash. Oh, okay. So it seems like maybe the guard was kind of changing up his story a little bit to cover his ass. Um, what's also interesting is that the guard was also seen wearing a black Washington baseball cap like Delante's. So that's kind of peculiar. Um, so the case has never been solved, but, I mean, that guard probably did it. Right. I mean, that's what it, I mean, that's what it seems like, right? I mean, come he on. took his hat. <laughs> it seems like he, it I mean, like he, he had, straight up took he his had hat. The hat. So, um, yeah, not a nice Canadian. So that's weird um, <laughs> as well. That's rare. <laughs> that's very strange. So that's the, the killing of big Edward James Delante. Um, the next one I'm going to do, uh, very, very different. I'm going to do the case of the missing Blackhawks Stanley Cup championship Puck. Go Hawks! Go Hawks. We are both big uh, Blackhawks fans. Hell yeah. Um, not doing terribly. Didn't you say they just fired Joel Quinville? They did. They just fired That's their freaking coach. <laughs> that does not bode well. <laughs> but if you recall, back in 2010, the Blackhawks had just won the Ayo. Stanley Cup. Woo! The beginning of the dynasty. Right. You were there for, what, the, the third? 
Yes. Parade? The 2015. Yeah, you went to the third parade. I did. Um, it's the craziest. So, never have I ever seen the streets of Chicago so packed. Right. Um, so back in 2010, though, they had just won it for the first time since 1964. Um, however, what's interesting is that that puck from the winning goal has never been found. It's still missing up to this day. What? Now. I didn't know that. Obviously, I didn't know about this either. Um, there's a lot of video, right? Um, yeah. So the video shows Patrick Kane barely making the goal. That little shit. Just kind of barely went, you know, past the line. Um, and and uh, no one really knew what happened at that point. I remember that. He started cheering and celebrating. Everyone else is kind of confused. Um, eventually, all the other Blackhawks players go and start celebrating with him. But no alarm went off. You know, it didn't do the little song. Like it always does. Um, and... The video also showed at that point Steve Miller, one of the Flyers' uh, linesmen, I believe, picking up the puck. However, Miller says he does not know what happened to it after that point. And, um, so what did he do with it? No one knows, and he doesn't even know, or that's what he says at least. The FBI briefly looked into it, but what? they never really found anything. The FBI? What, were they bored? No, because it's like a big ticket item. You know, I mean that. Oh, you know, possibly right. we're talking about you know Somebody theft. Like, oh, you know, okay, like grand okay. theft. I, I did mean, not that, understand that. That would like, be what? worth a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, <laughs> but it seems like they didn't look into it like that hard. So I don't know. So, okay, so the next. Where's thing, the book? Okay, get so, the FBI. <laughs> right, give me the FBI. Uh, the next thing I'm going to talk about is uh, this thing called the Yips. So I don't know if you've ever heard about the yips. Mm -mm. So the yips are a weird phenomenon that happens across all different kinds of sports, right? But it's commonly seen with pitchers and with golfers. And players will just randomly stop being able to do something that they've always been able to do. So like a pitcher will lose all command. What? And will just randomly start like pitching it into the ground or just like throwing it like way over there. Or a golfer. You mean like in Space Jam? I don't remember that, but sure. Um, <laughs> well, in Space Jam, the aliens, like, took all of their, the, like, basketball players, like, essence or, like, their, like, sure. skill. Exa and exactly. And all of a sudden, like... <laughs> yeah, precisely, yeah. They, they just completely lose all skill. So if you're a golfer, you know, it usually happens with putting. You know, you're just, like, can't hit it in from That's two feet like away. pretty tragic. Yeah. And no one is really sure why it happens exactly, but they think that it's a manifestation, excuse me, a manifestation of an emotional problem unrelated to sports that manifests itself as a physical thing when you're under pressure in sports. Those those are quotes okay. from one of my sources. But then you never regain... No, typically the player never regains the functionality. And there's like some some really famous cases, like especially with pitchers, where they just one from one pitch to the next, they just lose it all, and they cannot ever do it again. And they go no. from being a pro pitcher to being not in the league anymore. That's sad. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy. weird that we don't know. That's the most interesting to me. Yeah, that's your favorite so far. It's my favorite so far. <laughs> cool. Well, I'll, I'll keep going. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so the next one I'm going to do is the disappearance of John Brisker. So John Brisker 
not a very famous basketball player, but apparently in his day he was pretty well known as a bruiser, as a, a thug, as an enforcer. Um, bruising for bruising. Right. Maybe he sang that to some people before he hit them. Um, and he mainly played in the American Basketball Association, the ABA, uh, which eventually merged, of course, with the NBA. Um and he played there in the late 60s, early 70s, sort of in the, the twilight years of the ABA. And he was known as one of the most violent players. Um, the other basketball players would actually actively get out of his way when he drove to the basket. Oh, shit. Because they knew that he would, he would like, fuck push them, them up. Yeah. Did um, he get, like, fouled and stuff? No, they were, like, afraid to foul him <gasps> because of, like, what he had done to guys oh in the God. past. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he averaged like, you know, 20 <laughs> plus points a game just on the strength of that. He was Whoa. also kind of had a reputation because in college at the University of Toledo, he actually got kicked off the team for beating up a coach. <gasps> and there was also a story where he pulled out a handgun <gasps> on a teammate. What? They were like having an argument on the floor. On, on the basketball Like, during court. a game? No, during a practice. But still, and he, he had went to his bag and, like, him? took out a gun. Yeah. Wait, when was this? In the late 60s, early 70s. Oh, my God! Yeah. So... <laughs> what the hell? So, you know, Brisker, yeah, pretty intimidating. But once he went to the NBA after the merger in 1972, he was not so intimidating. Uh, the NBA players were bigger. They were badder. They were Hell more yeah. able to, to deal with him. So he washed out of the league about after about three years uh, before he was 30 years old. So fairly early. Um, after his career ended at that point, he tried his hand as a restaurateur uh, in Seattle, I believe. But he wasn't all that successful. He ran up big debts, um, legitimate debts, as well as debts with loan sharks, mm. uh, which is not good. Uh, he was also mm. being investigated by the police for different things, apparently. So just a lot of heat coming from a lot of different places, right? Yeah. And um, maybe because of all this pressure, but also because of his interest in the black power movement. Um, and, oh, he was a black dude? Yeah, he was black. And um, because of his interest in his ancestral homeland, uh, he did travel back to Africa in, in like the um, mid-70s. Uh, he was rumored to actually be working with the Ugandan dictator Idi Amin, maybe as a mercenary at the time. Ooh, ooh, that's that's a big jump. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't from, know about that. From NBA player to mercenary. <laughs> um, so he was last heard from from his family in the spring of 1978. Mm. He sent a letter to his siblings with a picture of him on horseback with a written caption uh, that said, have money will travel, cryptically. And after this, he was not heard from by his siblings, from by his wife, uh, by his baby mama, because he also had another woman who he was having a child with. Um, he was rumored to be dead, but his wife did not think that that was the case. He thought that, that he had skipped town. Uh, because of all of his big debts and things of that mm -hmm. of that nature, I guess that's plausible. Definitely plausible. And if he 
did die in Uganda at that time, it would be really impossible to find out what happened to him. Uh, this was a, because a time of, the, of a lot of chaos. The go- what the government or yeah, the the government were they was, killing all types of people. They were rebels. Were you know there was just not a lot of institutional control at all in in Uganda at this particular point under the Amin uh, regime. Um, the CIA went to Kampala, the capital of Uganda, in 1978 to try to find out what happened to him, but they didn't find out very much. Uh, records were not well kept, or they were simply destroyed. They found no solid connection from Brisker to Idi Amin, but that doesn't mean that there couldn't have been one. They just didn't find one. Um, they did find out that Brisker had passed through Liberia, Get coming to Africa, that that's where, where he had first gone, but they really didn't find anything after that. Um, they also found out, though, that a witness um, at a bank in Monrovia, which is the capital of Liberia, had seen Brisker with a woman, not his wife, in March of 1977 uh, there at the bank in Monrovia. Now, supposedly, he met this woman in New York City, and she was the daughter of a bank employee who actually left her family, including her daughter, oh. to go with Brisker. Now, reportedly, he had told her that his marriage was over, you know, he was going to leave his wife. Okay, so he could have ran away. That she was his true love. So that that's the story, yeah, that they kind of ran away together. But neither he nor she were ever heard from again after that point. Um, There's a sketchy report that he may have been sent to the State Research Bureau by the Amin government after kind of running afoul of them. So again, the the government was also kind of like disappearing people at this point, right? Yeah. Um, But, you know, there's just no way to know at at now. Uh, So either way, he was uh, declared legally dead in 1985 in the state of Washington. So I guess he could still be alive, right? Like, if he mm-hmm. did, like, run off with this woman? He could definitely still be alive, yeah. I feel like that's pretty plausible. Because we'll he, he, if he had all that heat on him, you know, like, people right. coming after him for money and... Right. Yeah, I mean, it would have seemed very convenient, right? Just go to Africa, you've got a lot of money. Yeah. You know, just find some place where you can live out the rest of your life. I don't know, maybe, maybe he's still there in Kampala. Or he was killed by the government. I don't know. I know we, we've had at least one listener from Kampala, so uh, you, whoever you are, if you see John Brisker, let us know. Moving on, <laughs> possible poisoning of the All Blacks. So that's the next Like the rugby team or the... Yes, the rugby team. So the All yeah, Blacks they... is the name of the rugby team, the national team they haka, from New right? Zealand. Uh, yeah. That's yeah, they, the they do the haka. who they are, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they very famously do the haka before their matches to intimidate the other amazing. team. Amazing. Absolutely And it amazing. is very effective. Oh, I love oh, it. Oh, yes. Um, so this is 1995. The Rugby World Cup were in Johannesburg, South Africa. The New Zealand national team, known as the All Blacks, mm-hmm. uh, having are having lunch at the game hotel or the team hotel or whatever, just like they have every day since the tournament started. This is two days before the final against the host team, South Africa. So 16 members decide, okay, we're, we're kind of tired of the hotel food. Uh, it's fine, but we're going to go out 
and get some Pizza Hut. Ayo. So they go down the street. They go to the Pizza Hut, these six team members. And when they get back from the hut, half of the team is throwing up violently. Oh, my God. The next day, all the teammates who didn't hut it up the day before were violently ill. Oh, even the ones who didn't go eat? You said who who didn't? All the ones who didn't go to the Pizza Hut got sick. Okay. All, all the ones who had the lunch at the hotel got sick. But all what about the... Wait, I'm confused. The you, ones okay, who, say this to me one more time. I'm sorry. All of the players who had the lunch at the hotel got sick. Okay. The six players who didn't and went to Pizza Hut did not get sick. Okay, I got it. The, okay, I thought it was the opposite. Okay, no. I understand. Okay. So, this obviously is very fishy, right? Um, would imply food poisoning. But... The food had been fine the whole time up to this point. So it seems clear that it was an intentional yeah, food something poisoning. something happened. Right? The team also said that this fit kind of a pattern of, of harassment that they had been getting. Oh, shit. They had found listening devices in their rooms. <gasps> they had had uh, coordinated car alarms going off, you know, late at night. Just this kind of, like, petty harassment shit that... We see sometimes in sports, like, not the only time I've ever heard of something like this happening. But nothing was ever actually proven in terms of, like, this supposed poisoning, right? But by game time, many of the team members were still sick. They all played, but a lot of them were, like, throwing up on the sidelines during stoppage time. Like, clearly this had an impact on the game. And New Zealand ended up losing in a very tight match to the Springboks, the the South African national team, 15 to 12 in extra time. It was still close, though, but so it was still. still. So, obviously, if they hadn't, like, just had massive food poisoning, they probably would have won. Yeah. And this moment of, you know, South Africa winning the 95 Rugby World Cup at home, all of this thing, is, of course, memorialized forever in the movie Invictus. As we'll all recall, it's a pretty famous movie. It was just remade, actually, I think, pretty recently. I don't know. It sounds familiar. Um, Nelson Mandela played Morgan Freeman. Um, you know, it was a very famous movie. And this whole, you know, experience of winning the Rugby World Cup is part of what helped South Africa heal as they were emerging from apartheid, right? Um, because, of course, Nelson Mandela had been released from prison the year before in 1994. Right, 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 right. Became the first black prime minister and, you know, just all all of this sort of thing that helped to kind of rally the nation. Um, But apparently it would not have happened if the other team had not uh, possibly been uh, poisoned by by someone. So it's kind of an interesting thing there. And the last one that I'm going to talk about... um, Actually, should I leave this one for next time? If Yeah. Yeah. Only because I got to do my makeup. Okay, I'm going to leave this one for next time. So next time, we're going to get into some different ones. Going to be some big what ifs. Um, Ooh, a cliffhanger. You know, so, yeah, just uh, Stay look tuned. forward to some, some more sports mysteries. One episode was not enough. Uh, there's lots more out there. So. That's so interesting to me. I didn't even, I wouldn't even like thought of sports mysteries as a category. Well, it's just because I love sports. So obviously that, well, hey, sport, got to be something out there, right? Sports mysteries. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Why not? Ready for weird, weird shit in the news. Weird shit in the news. Weird. Okay. So here's what I got. What you got? 
Um, so let's talk about Applebee's. Let's talk about Applebee's. Um, let's talk about Chili's. So this is the same. Okay. (laughs) So this is a CNN article by Danielle, uh, Wiener Bronner, who this, uh, is titled Applebee's is betting on stress eaters and it's paying off. So basically it's talking about how. Applebee's, like, is keeping their, like, comfort food, their, like, fast food, artificial ingredient menu, and it's working. So, um, hold on one sec. Click here to read more. (laughs) It's just, the, like, it's just crazy how website, news websites have changed in the past ten years. It's just insane. Um, so... A few, quote, a few years ago, Applebee's was struggling. The band started selling seared and grilled items and serving smaller portions to chase a more health-conscious customer, end quote. But it didn't work. Because, um, fuck that. Because, like, the, <laughs> people the, don't type of people, the, pe- the type of people who were, like, health-conscious wouldn't go to Applebee's in the exactly. first place. Exactly. In the first place. They're making so they were trying, Exactly. They're trying to, like, go after, like, a consumer who wasn't there, who, like, wasn't going to Applebee's anyway. Uh-huh. So, um, they flocked the strategy, and they focused on comfort food. And hey, boys, uh... I think we need to flop this strategy. Let's go for comfort food. Quote, Applebee's U.S. same store sales increased 7.7% in the third quarter of the year of, of this year, setting a 14-year record. Wow. So, uh, cheap alcohol, cheap food. <laughs> it's really working for Applebee's. Good for them. Good for them. And it's very common for people to eat out of stress, especially college students. Right. My God. Right, you know about that. <laughs> I know about that, as I say, as, okay. I, as I sit my. So I'm gonna do my chicken uh, fillet. Oh right, um, so I'm gonna do a, a Florida man story. So uh, it's from the AP. Uh, police man breaks into crocodile enclosure, gets bitten. Oh, he gets bitten. Oh, he got bitten by the you, crocodile uh, in the crocodile. Would have never guessed. Oh, okay, that's what happened. So, twenty-three-year-old man <laughs> in Saint twenty-three, Saint Augustine, Florida. Was he Florida, like drunk or what? I'm assuming. <laughs> this guy. Oh my god! I don't fucking. I don't know what. I hope he. He was. I'm sure he was drunk. So he breaks into <laughs> the. I'm sorry. I'm just picturing this like cartoon style. Yeah. <laughs> um, he breaks into the Alligator Farm Zoological Park uh, down there in St. Augustine, Florida. He apparently messes up the uh, snack bar or whatever, like fucks it up, and then jumps into the enclosure with the alligators. Uh, quote, he jumped off a five to six foot structure into about two feet of water then climbed up on the 20-foot structure later, which we know from the blood trail, <gasps> oh my Bruggen God. said, this, the, the, the guy who, like, runs the place or whatever. Quote, in our 125-year history, this is the first time anyone has ever tried to go swimming with the crocodiles. Instead of swimming <laughs> with the fishes. So, uh, according to the arrest report and security footage, a nine-foot crocodile lunged at him. Oh my god. And then he escaped over the edge of the pool, but his leg was still uh or his left foot rather was still hanging off 
and the the alligator grabbed onto it, but he he got away. So the the guy was arrested and then taken to the hospital where he attempted to escape and was then Yo, uh, this dude's apprehended nuts. yeah in in a a retaining pool. So I, I don't know what this guy's like deal with jumping into shallow bodies of water is, but uh I think he needs some help. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think the kicker is that he tried to <laughs> escape from the hospital too. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> crazy Florida man. Florida man. Florida you know, man. You know why. Yeah, because they have the sunshine laws. Exactly. Yeah, the, it's all disclosed. But I also like to think it's just a little bit because people it's in Florida are Florida. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the nuts live. Um, yeah, that's uh, I think that's an episode. That's the podcast. Thanks for listening. Team Mystery. Go Team Mystery. Team Mystery. 45 episodes strong. Yay! And, uh, yeah. So we high-fived like fun. six times right there. Yeah. We like high-fiving because we're cool. <laughs> we're not nerdy at all. Um, are you got you got anything else to tell our listeners? No. Thank, thank Follow you, us on Instagram. Thank you for Instagram. Uh, tell tell, your, tell friends. your friends about the podcast. Um, thanks for bearing with us. We're a little late today. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Um, Wednesday's Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> it's still Wednesday. It's still Wednesday. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, bye.